I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably lost the words. to another edition of the Lost of Words podcast. I'm joined as ever by Jason. Jason, hi. Good evening, Tom. How are you? I'm really well, thank you, mate. How are you? I'm marvellous. That's good. It's good. We had a positive week last week. Obviously, JT fortunately won the PGA Championship and kind of saved my week. was a bit unexpected, but you also very solidly put the top 20s up. Uh, you said two of the three out of JT, Rory and uh, Spieth needed to top 20 for you to make the profit, which they did. And then you've Cameron Young and Corey Connors as well, top 20. So all in all, very... Because uh, you didn't go without rights last week, did you? So it was all a very positive week for us in terms of selections. I couldn't make my mind up between those three. Hmm. Uh, and there we are. So, you know, well done. One of them won. And mm-hmm. um, there we are. What, what can you do? One of them won. I think, I think it, uh, for me, because obviously you had Laura Coward, didn't you, at the PGA for yeah. uh, Kiowa. But for me, like, I, I, can't, I can't remember if I have or haven't put up someone for a major uh, winner but I don't think I have and it was kind of a didn't bother me I don't you know I don't a winner's a winner right but like it's always nice to get a major winner right so I was very happy and high on Justin Thomas and he got the job done I do think it was fortunate Um, obviously Mito Pereira devastating for him I thought he was really good and it took until the 18th hole to realise where he was and what he was doing Um, that was a terrible shot by the way it was. It was. All, I know a lot of people said about hitting iron off there instead of driver, but it wasn't even the fact that you chose driver. It was just an absolutely awful swipe at it. Um, but he didn't take the danger out of play, did he? No. Um, and that was that was the that was the weird thing. I mean, you, you're one shot up. You surely take. You surely, surely, surely take the danger out of play. You have to. Um, it was strange. It was strange. You know, just hit the. Short get short stuff, but he, short I suppose stuff. he finally did what everyone expects him to do all day long, just all in one hole, I guess. Like he prevented it all, all the way along, and then could him quite salvage a bogey just to get in the playoff either. I, I felt sorry for him really because you know, oh, whilst he everyone, oh, no, he was the world. He, he deserved to win it. He did. Um, yeah. You know, even having said that, he did make what like five bogeys and a double on the day. Like it's just that everyone else was struggling as well, so it, it, it was almost just the best of a bad bunch. So if anyone else kind of stepped forward, like they should have done, then maybe he looked worse. But I don't know. It, I thought it was really impressive, considering he's never won before. Um, I don't think it kind of. You know, he has won before, obviously in the Corn Ferry Tour, but he hasn't won on the PJ Tour. And I thought he coped with it really, really well for the most part. Um, Cameron Young obviously was up there again. He's his record is unbelievable. Bounce back from that double on 16 to birdie 17. But he was just as unlucky, I felt. Mm. So he was just as under as much pressure. And, uh, well, unlucky. Is it unlucky? I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think anyone... I think I think Thomas was lucky because I think that he should have... But then you could argue that, he, you know, if he'd have made birdies at 13 and 15 like he should have done, then he would have been right there and putting the pressure on. So there's that side to it as well. But I, I think that... Thomas and Zalatoris were fortunate that Mito did what he did. And Pereira, Young, Fitzpatrick, Rory, none of them really did what they should have done on that back nine. Um, there was chances to score. We were seeing it with Fleetwood coming in. We were seeing it with Chris Kirk coming in. We were seeing it yeah, with... But, but they're not in it. They're not in it. We've said it a thousand not, times. Yeah. 64, 64 when you start 12 off the pace. Hmm. 
doesn't matter. You know, Do you know what I think was the, oh, well, but I the mean, most disappointing was Rory. And and I know I dogged him a lot and I've kind of gone a different way recently, but that was terrible. I mean, he, he, what did he birdie four of the first five holes and then just stuck it in reverse? Well, where, where he was after round one. Yeah, well, he's, you know. he's the winning score after round one, wasn't he? So, and I think also the unforgivable part was he didn't take advantage of that weather that he got on the right side of the draw and he should have really put his foot down on on, uh, on Friday as well. So I think all in all, he would be the most disappointed out of anyone. And I, I, I don't know, does he like does he look at it and do, do, do Rory fans look at it and go, right, that's another top 10 in the major, it's coming? Or does he go, oh, I've got a real problem here? Um Hard to second guess out, I suppose, but like, how do you view it? I would say. I don't know. I don't think he's he's. I'm saying he's not that bothered, but I, I, you know that his attitude when he's got his you know his, his kid with him and that it's it's golf has taken. Not I'm not saying not a priority. Yeah. But you know certainly not as important, and I think it shows quite dramatically with him. To be honest with you, um, yeah, you know he took he took his. Um, Took his daughter to the photo of him, didn't he? And, uh, yeah, so that's and when this, he was good. When daddy was good. Now, obviously, we're all going to say that, yeah? yeah, when we've got the press there and whatever. But I, I think there's, there's, you know, more, more for him than just golf. And um, it's, it's not, like we say, he was in front again. I mean, I mean, Justin Thomas doesn't win as many as he should do. There was an um, article that went out with Justin Thomas and Rory on Saturday. I think it was Kevin Van Valkenburg for ESPN. That said, they've both thrown away an opportunity when they had a chance again. It's just that Thomas managed to turn it around on the far like back nine, but they were both similar, weren't they? They're both disappointing on the Saturday. Um, I just thought that he was so purposeful when he was walking Rory on the Thursday. Like he looked, he had that kind of swagger that Rory McIlroy has. He played the golf that everyone, where everyone calls him the bit most naturally talented, and the best golfer in the world. He showed it. And then on, Tuesday, on Friday, he kind of tried to match that walk and that purposefulness without actually having any of the game. And it felt a little bit sort of forced and almost trying to, I don't know. I don't know if he got kind of caught up in the Tiger stuff. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what it was, but um, he was just a little bit disappointing for me. And I think, you know, Thomas was until he wasn't, you know, it's the same thing. Um, don't know. Winning is hard, you know, winning is hard. Yeah. Um, you you know we make it you know we make it like it's a, I know they're professionals and that's what they do for a living but it's difficult you know it's um like the art yeah the, the biggest irony of course is his, his bones was was yeah, yeah. you know um uh, you know winning the trophy that he won last year with Nixon but um uh, sorry um you know having been fired from Nixon yeah um it it was that yeah it was, he hit I think Thomas hit that because he was in seventh he didn't. It doesn't matter. He's got to fight the pins. If he finishes third, he finishes third. Yeah. If he finishes tenth, he finishes tenth. So, but Pereira to be able to to even go down seventy second hole with a, well, with the trophy in his pocket, basically, yeah. um, tremendous credit. But he I, he looked absolutely, completely devastated. He said um, he literally said he didn't even remember that the creek was there, didn't he? Because he was so, in his kind of nerves at that point, which you know is it must be. You know, mind-boggling. He's probably never had that. I know Corn Ferry's winning and stuff like that, but the the pressure's obviously completely different, isn't it? And uh, hundred times the amount of people there you've got. Yeah. 
TV cameras, you know you're right, you know you're there, you've got... Neiman's waiting at the back for you, it's, it's, it's a lot, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, 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 you've got um, commentators that you, you recognise, like, wandering around and... Oh, Interestingly, Mito Pereira, I didn't know this, Mito Pereira's caddy is Scotty Scheffler's caddy, old caddy as well. Oh, right. So, so interestingly yeah. enough, he's been, fat, been fired by Scotty Scheffler and could have won the next major after him as well, which is, you know, interesting that he's kind of elevated yeah. his game since taking that caddy as well. So, you know, there was a lot of... I actually thought it was a really good tournament on the final day. I know there was a lot of, this is boring, I don't really care. But it was a really good tournament, especially yeah. on the final day. Good course. Um, what happened, happened. I think... I think Thomas was fortunate and then he wasn't because he took advantage of it when, you know, he did what Justin Thomas should do when he gets in a position to win it. Um, Rory has made winning majors look so easy early on in his career that he's now a victim of his own success and we expect a lot of him. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't really have much more to say than that, really. I think there was a, some really impressive performances uh, inside the kind of top 15. You know, Max Homer finally put together a decent finish in a major championship, which is uh, a big step for him. Tommy, Tommy. Thought Tommy was great. Yeah, really good on the final day. Before weekend, really, wasn't he? 69, 67 over the weekend. Be, be very interesting. He'll be buoyed by that. US it's Open? A, or, or the Open? St Andrews, yeah. Mm. yeah. I think, yeah. yeah well, I know I, a lot of people are on fits, aren't they, for the US Open because of Brookline. I think it's where he won his US Amateur, but... I think Tommy's just as suited to that sort of test as well as. Yeah, as I think I think definitely. I think that, yeah, I think. If, um, yeah, be interesting to see what he does. He's, he's obviously you know we know we know what he likes. The harder it is, the better it is for him. Um, so a lot depends on that, but. You yeah. just hope that you hope they kick on. I think is is the thought. Like I hope this spurs Fitzpatrick on to better things because this was the first time he was really in contention in the major, and you know. Aside from that kind of chipping, he was pretty poor on the back nine. And uh, just to say, just looking at the open, um, yeah, anti post, uh, Tommy Fleetwood is still available at 50 to one, just with power and betfair, obviously, mm-hmm. same company. And you can have the same price, Tiger, which somehow just doesn't seem quite right. Well, everyone's still convinced that if Tiger no, turns they're up, not. no, they're not. they are, they are literally, they're, any, no, they're not. anyone that. They keep trying to say Tiger won't turn up unless he thinks he can win. Five hundred. He should. He can't walk. Oh, he was he was propping himself up after day one on the sky. Car. I know it was it's a terrible. It was sad. Terrible. It was actually sad. He should. I actually said, and I believe he will call it a day. I don't think that's, he will. I, I think that's the problem. I don't think I I don't think he can cope without competitive golf in his life, and that's the saddest thing. And I think that is why he's ruined his body and why he's on the prescription medication that he was on because he was so desperate to get back ahead of schedule. Um, if that leg is not healed after 15 months, it's not going to heal. Not to a point where he can play golf. Enough. He can't play golf at this level. It just, it's just, I, I just watching it is just... But the worst thing is he keeps, he makes the cut, doesn't he? He makes the cut in two majors and, and everyone goes, yeah. oh, he's defied the odds. And But that that's not enough for Tiger Woods. I know it's impressive, and I'm not. I will not take anything away from it. it was, you know, what Rory McIlroy said is great. You know, it was, it was a proper gut check and a real professionalism, and it's amazing. He's got nothing to prove and all that sort of stuff. But yep. that isn't enough for Tiger Woods, and not not from my perspective. Not me saying he should do better than that. I mean, that's not enough for him personally to carry on. 
but I just don't think he knows how to stop. I don't think he knows how to live without golf. I hope he does because I hope he I hope he actually goes. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna protect myself and enjoy my family and enjoy my legacy. Go and get involved in the course design stuff that he's already involved in. Yeah. Go and, yeah, go and take yeah. a real position on the board at the PGA Tour. That's all they're waiting for him to do, aren't they? Um, it's tough. I mean, we, we say all this and then he'll go and win a major like he did in 2019, but I, I, I literally don't think his body can do that. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like when, I, I remain to be amazed. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like when, like when he was, when he was coming back at, you know, when it was a miracle at the Masters, he just won the Tour Championship and finished 12th at WGC. He can't, he can't do that now. He just, he just Not can't, we're seeing, no. he just can't Not walk, more. can he? Unless he suddenly just, unless this is all warming up for him to feel better by the time he gets to St Andrews. But they're like, like, I know St Andrews is, you know, it's not easy to walk around. It's not easy to walk around as a bloody patron, let alone a, let alone a golfer. Um, I don't know. I hope he gets fit and it looks better, uh, or I hope he calls it. I don't want him to keep doing what he's doing because it's just hard to watch. It's very hard to watch, absolutely. Is that enough on the PJ? Anything else you wanted to mention? Oh, no, it's, it's 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 what it is. It's a major. It's done, and we you know we move on. It's, as far as we're concerned, you know, you can be as uh, nostalgic and whatever as you like, but you know, we're we're here to to preview tournament. It's done. It's gone, and uh, how the, how this affects people this week, um, Lord only knows. Mm. Um, but we'll see. Interesting that. It's not a million miles away from Texas for the PJ Tour guys, is it? You know, they've gone Texas, Oklahoma, Texas. That's probably not a bad little stretch for them. Maybe not the same sort of dramatic drop-off after a major that you sometimes get. Um, but we'll come on to that when we get into the Charles Schwab. Let's do the Dutch Open. Um, no longer the KLM Open because they dropped that sponsorship uh, a couple of years ago during the pandemic, I think it was. And... Uh, they're now at Bernardas Golf Club, which only opened in 2019, I think it was. Uh, we saw it for the first time last year because Christopher Broberg put in one of the best putting performances we've ever seen over four days ever. Um, but other than that, we saw a lot of really good iron play, didn't we? That was emotional. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, blimey. But yeah, yeah. Matty Schmidt, you know, could have possibly won it and just played extremely well for for a long time mm. um, until just going. I think it was right of, of the par three and messing it up but that, that's what you're going to get on this tour now isn't it um you know we see it an awful lot now um well you see it on pga but i mean it's it's they find it very hard to close it out and um they don't play enough at the end of the day do they either no the, 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 the schedule's don't. not good enough is it yeah the, no, this no, doesn't no. this doesn't do you know, you've got these rival golf tours and stuff, and they've got this kind of alliance with the PGA Tour now, which means they have to condemn everything the PGA Tour does and follow everything the P- But they only really got one extra tournament out of it in the co-sanctioned Scottish Open. And I think they've given European Tour players a shot at the Barbasaur, is it? So you can see why these rival tours are appealing to some of these kind of DP World and PGA Tour players. They are, and uh, if, that, if the live succeeds, then I, I just wonder what else will come up. Um, I don't know if you've read the article that said that um, there's a big thing about Jack Nicholas. I don't know if you've read it. No. Uh, Jack's been sued by his own company, basically. I saw, I saw that. I didn't really actually read into it. Though. Yeah, so, and, and part of that was um, that, uh, anyway, it's, it's a long story about his, um, you know, what he's done with the rights to his golf design and blah, 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 blah. 
he's been sued by um, Nicholas Foundation, basically, or Nicholas Companies, as they call <laughs> it, because they actually bought those rights. But anyway, back before um, uh, Greg Norman was involved, by all yeah. accounts, uh, Jack Nicholas was in talks yeah. to uh, run the Saudi League. Um, and, and the thought in my head, as I was sort of writing about that last night, was um, should uh, the Greg Norman League succeed, um, you know, obviously, clearly, there are all these other very wealthy and very influential um, ex-professionals, or ex-players, should I say, um, that may well be approached by other money men. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and as you say, certainly the, uh, you know, they'd run it slightly better, I think, and politically a bit wiser. But um, there we are. I, I, I would I would worry about the European tour. I think it's, um, yeah, I don't think it's got appeal for anything other than the very, very staunch golf fan now, to be honest. Yeah. I, I, I mean, obviously the British, sorry, I mean, on. the British stuff is great. I mean, yeah. it's, you know, we bring it to Wentworth, uh, you know, Close House, Belfry, whatever, and it, and it gets a big boom. Um, but in terms of everyday stuff, I... I well, the thing the thing is, and like, I was thinking about this earlier, right? And, and it's a horrible thought, but like one of our, I think the way that we differentiate ourselves a little bit from other podcasts, and this is not to our own horn, but we we cover the DP World Tour pretty extensively, whereas others will generally focus on the PJ Tour, right? Like that's how they'll focus all their attention on the PJ Tour. We split it across two, and I was sitting there thinking like this is such hard work to keep up with this tour and I wonder how many people are listening for that now if, if I ever put it to Twitter to say shall we start covering it I know there'll be five six seven eight people that you know that really closely listen that wouldn't want that to be the case so I never would want to do that but it, it's really that the fact that kind of thought is going in the fact that we as golf fans are getting fed up of trying to keep track of the DP World Tour is really worrisome like you're you're worried you're waiting until the Irish Scottish French Open and Valderrama and Wentworth. But that's not yep. enough to really look forward to, is it? And and it's so long to get there and so much kind of wasted time in between. I don't, it's, you know, it's not all their fault, right? Like the, the, the sponsors are not there or whatever. My concern is, is that like everyone kind of mocks Greg Norman because they can't get a TV sort of people to take the rights of it. They will eventually get someone to take TV rights up. When they get the players over there, and they are announced, because that will happen, um, whether we think Jason Kokrak is a big enough name or Louis stays on Lee Westwood or whatever, eventually there'll be enough interest in for them to get some sort of TV coverage on that. If they cover these events, if they're going to go to the Dutch Open this week and Sky Sports are on it and there's enough people watching it, there'll be enough people to want to watch that, is my kind of opinion on it. The trouble they've had is that they've had Greg Norman and Phil Mickelson talk for them. And they're not very good at public relations. So it's, if, like you said, if, if someone else comes out a bit more respected, a bit more trusted to be PR savvy, um, it's not going to be Tiger Woods. He keeps pledging his allegiance to the PJ Tour, which makes me think he's probably got some sort of stake in it there. It'll be someone else, and someone else will take it over and probably do a good job of it. Yeah, I think, I think it, it might need that, to yeah. be honest. It's, it's getting to sort of uh, I don't know why I don't know why you know uh, but, um, but it's getting to the stage that as you rightly say you know everybody there is is aiming for one target which is PGA Tour yeah um, this is just a step up for some of them and um, you know yeah, I mean and, and I'm not knocking the likes of, of you know Aaron Ryan obviously the Hogarth you know who, who 
yeah, we'll end up over there at some point. Yeah. It's just there seems no. This is purely a challenge tour step up, if you like. Yeah. There's no um, interest to stay on this tour, is there? That you're not getting order of merit winners like Montgomery back to back and Westwood being in for so no, long. It's not, like it's not. It's not a tour that anyone wants to be on. Like the fact that you see Justin Rose, Lee Westwood, Henrik Stenson, Luke Donald spending all their time out in America, even when they're not playing their best. There's no. There's no interest. There's nothing. Like you're going to get more world ranking points for playing in those live events, no matter how much people want to take the piss out of him eventually then you will this and that's all they care about is the world ranking boards get back on the pj tour to get back in the majors they don't, they don't care about anything else um is that sad that there's no nostalgia for them and no uh you know legendary status i don't know i don't really because the events are not there anymore like this dutch open is not the klm open that it's been for no, x amount of not, years not. and it's no, as you rightly sorry as you rightly say is that nostalgia yeah you know, there's, there's 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 not enough, is there? I don't think there's enough. Like, winning the order of merit isn't what it used to be anymore. You get a, you get a PGA Tour player that won two majors, and then comes over won a major at WGC, then wins this event at the end of the year, and that's it. They've done it. There's no who slogged it out for 25 well, events for the year. No, and equally, you know, you go on about this just <laughs> Prestigious <laughs> titles, yeah. Look at last. I mean, again, look at last year. You know, Decky, uh, Phil, John Rahm, Colin Morikawa, PGA players. Yeah. Year before, Dustin, Colin, Bryson. Year before that, Tiger, Brooks, Woodland, Lowry. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. There we are. We found Lowry. Yeah. Yeah. And we obviously we find um, Franny on the open year before. But, where, but where's Lowry now? He doesn't come back for this. He's does in it? America. That's right. Where's yeah. Molinari? He's over yeah. there. Yeah. Now you're talking about the last, the last couple of European. Uh, winners of, of majors. Yeah. You know, Sergio in 2017 in Masters. Yeah. You know, okay, he comes over with five or six, you know, when, he, when the money's good enough. Um, they're not there, are they? It, it, but, again, is it, is it nostalgia? It's a long time since Darren Clark and Ernie Els and, yeah. you know, that they're, used, they're, to, used to prock up the, 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 the European toys. You, you just, not, you, there's, there's no reason for a player to come back. They're not being given a reason to come back. Like everyone, the original thing was always that. They weren't supporting the European Tour, and it was all, it was always a you don't play enough events a year to warrant a place in the Ryder Cup, yeah, and you right. don't do yeah. this. It all started with Paul Casey, didn't it, where he didn't get into the Ryder Cup, he didn't play four events or whatever, and then they didn't let him in, and then they cut it down to three or whatever it was so that Rory could get in, and then it just started dying off from there. Like, there's no benefit to playing the DP World Tour, none, zero. It's not even called the European Tour anymore, so that that facet of it is gone. Um, this is obviously taking a different direction to what we thought we were talking about the Dutch Open, but I think it's important. I think it's an important conversation that, you know, these guys that you're seeing at the top of this market every week, um, they all just want to be on the PGA Tour. They don't, they don't want to be here. Jordan Smith might be someone that probably spends the rest of his life playing in Europe. But if he got given the opportunity, he'd go to the PGA Tour, wouldn't he? Oh. You know, and you might find more entering entering smaller events and and trying to work their way up. Yeah. Uh, as we go through the seasons, I don't know. The yeah. fact that the fact they're going over to the Corn Ferry Tour Finals to try and get into the PGA Tour rather than play the bigger yeah. European Tour event is is the killer, isn't it? it killed Robert McIntyre, but he needed to do it. Um. Anyway. Any more to add on that, or should we? No, 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 no. no we'll move on. We'll move on. It's a little bit of a soapbox moment, but I think it's true. I think I, I think 
you know, we're not being unfair. Burnt Wiesberger, 20 to 1. That just seems like a repetition. So does Adrian Moronk at 22. So does Peters at 22s. Rasmus Hogard at 25s. Brian Fox at 25s. Jordan Smith at 28. I think we've both got a selection in here. Um, I'll start with Rasmus Hoygaard. He was 33 to 1 when I wrote him up earlier. He's now 25 to 1. I still think it's okay. Um, he was top 8 in approach and tee to green at the Belfry. He was fourth there after 54 holes and slipped down to 16th, which is unlike him. You'd think he would take a step forward. Um, he was fourth after 36 in Spain at the ISPS Hander. Again, slipped down to 69th over the weekend. A little bit alarming. But when he played the Valero the week before the Masters, trying to get onto the VJ Tour and the Masters, uh, he finished 18th and was second after day one, 13th after day two. Had a really bad round and finished uh, 40th after round three, but then shot a final round 68 and got back into the top 20. So it feels like Rasmus Hoygaard is, you know, two out of the four rounds where he needs to be. And that's probably not good enough for someone that's 25, 33 to one or whatever he was earlier. But I just think that he's the type that when he gets into contention, despite what he's done in recent weeks, I think he will step forward, uh, maybe more so than, you know, the likes of Moronk even Wiesberg with his putter at the moment, even Smith with his ball striking. I think Rasmus Hoygaard's a pick of that bunch. And the only one I'd argue him with is, is the one that you're going to put up as well. Yeah, I mean, quick one on Wiesberg. At some point, surely, surely he's got to knock a few in. Mm. I mean, it's just horrendous, isn't it? I mean, it's, get, it's getting to sort of... Um, it's worse than sort of someone like Molinari, yeah. you know, Dodo Molinari. We love him. I mean, fantastic team of green player and can't putt, but Wiesberg is just... What he's missing, I, 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 no I, I remember yeah, saying at the DP World Tour Championship, if he can just have a good putting week, mm. and that was, and it's, he's not had one since, to my knowledge. No, he hasn't. You know, it's It's shocking. You couldn't trust him, but anyway. Um, yeah, I mean, again, I'm not convinced I'll, I'll actually play Ryan Fox. Yeah. Um, just because. Bizarrely, he's obviously coming off the PGA Tour and then flying back. He's going to be exhausted, um, or I think he's going to be exhausted. He may not be. Um, I, it wouldn't surprise me if he, he didn't play, to be honest with you. Um, I haven't looked at his Twitter today, to be honest, so I, I'm not sure. But he, he OK, he finished 54th yesterday. He was 17th after the third round, three rounds of 70, which is yeah. you know top-grade play, isn't it? Um, and you go back to it. Look, it's in front of you. It's on tour tips. He's absolutely flying. He perhaps should have won uh, Sudao Open in Belgium. He should have done. But, yeah, okay. Yeah, he should have done. Right, okay. Opened up the 66 at Belfry, or finishing top 10. Spain, which is really difficult at times. He finished top 10. Um, you know, and, and obviously won the uh, second Raz event. Um, overall in the year, 15th Tita Green, 7th in Birdies, 16th in Park 4, 8th in Approaches, 13th in Putts for Greens in Regulation. You, you know, it's, that's something that... Um, Beesberg, for example, is not doing. Uh, you know, Fox is doing everything at the moment. He's 13 in scoring averages. Um, I, I just, it's very, very difficult. Um, you've got a course here. I think we spoke about this last year. It was a new course last year. Yeah. And they said that, that that's what the heather wouldn't really make any difference. It needs another year to mature. Um, it's linksy, but it's watery and it's all a bit weird. Um, it's not that exciting, of course, to be honest. Um, off the tee didn't matter last year. He can give it a bosh. I don't think the X is going to make much difference. You don't want to be heavily involved in the sort of scrub, but Fox is good enough not to worry about that. 
Um, the tee at the green last year was was quite unbelievable. Of the top 15, um, you had one, two, three, four, five, seven, eight, ten, and eleven uh, place finishes in the top 15. That basically came off approaches. Fox is hitting the ball. Fox is irons well. As long as he doesn't get, you know, tied up um, in mess, I, I think he's got to compete. Um, as you rightly you saw, we spoke earlier. It's a question of how he comes out of uh, the PGA. Uh, I know you've got some info on that type of thing. Plays after a major. Yeah, I mean, he he hasn't played he, well. He really hadn't played well after a major in the last couple of years, and and I, I admittedly went back two or three years and kind of just went, okay, that's made my mind up. Um, and at that, I did sort of final round seventy-seven or whatever he shot that I kind of felt that was the end, right, of, of me liking Ryan Fox. But then when I look back at the Open in twenty fifteen, he played well there, and then won at the Challenge Tour again, different grade, and also backed out of the top ten at the Madeira, which was a kind of co-sanctioned event at the time. Now, the thing with Ryan Fox, it's very easy just to look at his form and just go, okay, well, he, he's gone, you know, blitzed each of the DP World Tour events, then gone to a major and finished 57th. But like you said, that doesn't tell the whole story. He was one shot outside the top 10 going into the final round. And actually, you'd probably be kicking himself looking at the final score going, maybe I just didn't, you know, he probably got a bit aggressive trying to go for it because he was nine shots back at the time when he really only actually finished five shots back if he, you know, shot level bar again. So, um, you know, maybe just a bit more of a conservative approach would have given him a top 10, top 20 finish in a major. But that's not the attitude of him. He was playing, he's playing some of his best golf of his career and he wanted to go for it and put it down and more power to him, I think. Um, it is a question of fatigue. It is a question of getting yourself back up for an event that doesn't really matter. Um, but he wants to win. He wants to win while he's in this form. And I thought actually the, the price was pretty good when you compare it to others around him. I think I think uh, I wasn't sure. I, I know we discussed sort of Ryan Fox at the end of last week's pod. Yeah. And I think Brad said, you know, mentioned back the top forty would have been the bet. Um, so you'd think that he's going into Sunday seventeenth, yeah. yeah, to be honest with you. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, I, I'm not sure about the price, but it, you know, if you want one off off the top, then then that would be it. Um, whether I'm that bothered or not, I'm not sure. Um, yeah, again, you've got, you know, I understand the, the Rasmus love. Uh, it makes perfect sense. Um, now you're starting to see, he comes in much more, you're starting to see him double the price of his brother. Uh, sorry, half the price of yeah. his brother. I'm not sure that that's right. The only thing, Nikolai has taken a couple of sets back since that win, which is a bit of a concern. But then yeah. he is a little bit more inconsistent anyway. So that's not, you know, maybe that's just what his game is, right? They talk about the differences in their swings and stuff, and maybe we don't understand it. Maybe it's not, you know, professional coaches and stuff but they seem to talk about the fact that Rasmus has got this kind of different move and maybe that's just all it is uh, I think both of them are going to suffer a little bit from the fact they're going to try and fritter between the two tours uh, I'm just hoping that Rasmus takes advantage at this point yeah I think in terms of sorry in terms of in terms of um, him coming into the event in, in a bit out of form I mean you only have to say you know that Chris Brogo yeah. yeah, it's ridiculous. And I, I mean, I like you know, I, I'm a huge fan of Brobo, but yeah. you know, it wasn't there. Well, in a tiny bit, but it was difficult to see. Yeah, I, I, th- I don't think you need to be playing out of your skin to, to now succeed here, is the point you're making. You can just turn up here and have a good week, and, and that'd be it. Um, after laughing our way through Richard Mansell, uh, after you put him up and comparing every single person's odds to him, uh, I'm putting Richard Mansell this week. I, ju- I just think that. 
if it happened, what I thought was going to happen happened at Sadao. He finished 23rd after being inside the top six or top four, I think he was, after 36 holes at Sadao Open. Uh, fell away at the weekend, like you expect, but he finished sixth in approach that week and 16th tee to green. It's normally off the tee where he kind of differentiated himself, so the irons were really uh, you know, promising. Didn't kick on from that effort at British Masters, but just willing to go from again at the price. He was sixth here last year, which I think was probably the kicker for me, and he was third after 54 holes as well, so didn't drop away dramatically and had a chance to win. So it's obviously a course he can go well at. Top 10 in Cedar Green and top 16 in approach over the past two months, so he's one of the better ball strikers in the field. So I thought it's getting on the number that I don't really want to do. 40 50 is one about Richard Mansell, but I don't think it's going to take a lot of winning. So if he gets in contention, I think he can. There's enough easy holes that he can kind of take advantage of them and afford himself some bogeys if he gets in a real hunt. I mean, it's like it's like they're just all there, aren't they? Yeah. You know, Mansell's there. You know, Cohonan's playing really well, but you know, he never wins, does he? Yeah. Uh, you know, see, I'm not sure he can be asked anymore. Um, it's ill. It's uh, you know, you've got people like um, JB Hansen and uh, John Catlin. Who really, I mean, Catney showed a bit last week, so if he is coming back to form, um, you know, he'd be he'd be one. I mean, we go back to to what Broberg has done, and you know, Crans and uh, France, and that's that's the sort of John Catlin type track, the Austria and stuff like that. Yeah. So if he is coming back to form, he is big. Um, but you are you're just you're just hunting on whether they're, they're you know they're in form. I, I think he'd he'd be one that I'd be worried about. Yeah, uh, I just think he's got that. He's got that all-round game, another all-round class. That that maybe that sign last last time was um, was something, but I can't really put money on him. I'm not being funny. I just can't. Um, I mean, my second one is Marcus Armitage. Talking yeah. to people you don't really <laughs> talk to people you, you really don't want money on. Um, I just think he's playing so well. That he, he, all I'm looking for this week his is going to run. I, I'm no confident. I've just got yeah. no confidence here. Yeah, I mean, his irons are exceptional, aren't they? He's um, Seventh in approach, fifth in greens and reg, sixteenth tee to green. Um, we we know what he's like. He's he's a bit problematic when he hits the front. He was second going into the final round at the Belfry last time, eventually finishing twenty first. But his stats again were, were excellent. You know, I think he he missed the first cut or the first missed the cut the first tournament of the year, but he still hit seventy and obviously went went missing with the second round seventy nine. He's then only missed one cut in his next nine. And his figures are, are, are just really good. They're very, very steady. You know, 5th in Qatar, 11th in South Africa, 17th in Kenya. You know, they're extremely steady. He's playing really well. We know his problem. Um, you know, he can't putt and, and he's horrible when he's, you know, when the attention is on him. Um, but I, I did think that, that compared to some of those that are around him, uh, I, there's a doubt whether he can win, but there's no doubt that he's in form. No. Uh, I, I... You know, there's no doubt that he'll tee to green and greens and reg, he will, he will do well. If he hits greens, he'll be in the top ten, and that's that's simple as that. Whereas there are doubts on on a lot of the others that surround him. So he was he was one that I sort of had a look at. I think I think the word solid foundation would suit Armitage. You know, everything lines up for him to play well. And like you say, he unlike Wiesberg, where you just need him to have a good passing week and it never seems to come. Armitage probably can do enough and, and place at 66 to 1 even to to Beesberger having to win at 20 times, you know what I mean? So um, I like Armitage. I think, I, well, I, I find him quite irritating, but I like him in terms of 
Um, his skill set, I think, is perfect for this. The other one I went with on the same line of thinking in terms of ball striking was Yannick Paul. I was really impressed. We kind of talked about him a lot coming off the Challenge Tour. I think we bet him a couple of times in Challenge Tour last year. And, you know, he had an actual shot to win that Sadao Open. He was two back after 54. He never felt like it was going to be anyone else but Fox at that point and even Horsfield. Um, but he shot a two under 69 on the final day to finish two back as well. So he, he didn't go backwards or forwards. But he had been disappointed not to birdie one of those last two holes, 17 and 18, were both good chances. But his form now, 10th, 52nd, 16th, 2nd. Fifth and fourth, his last two starts in strokes gained tee screen and fourth in approach. It just feels to me like you said you're looking for the guys that are in form, hitting their irons well, taking on a course that's not necessarily going to test them too much, I don't think. Um, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of upside to Yannick Paul. I think he's going to be buoyed a little bit by his brothers playing really well on the Corn Ferry Tour and possibly going to get his PGA Tour card. So. They're both going to be going for that. That's what you know. We've just spoken about that for a decent period of time. That's what they're all trying to get to. So maybe just pushing each other along a little bit. Not necessarily like that narrative, but it's worth mentioning. So yeah, Yannick Paul. I thought you know 60, 50 to one, 66 to one, whatever it is that you can get on him, whatever places that you like. Uh, I would personally go 60 to one at six places on Betfred or William Hill. But uh, yeah, I thought Yannick Paul was worth a mention. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. I, 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 honestly, I'm, I'm not enthusiastic about this at all. No. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, it is an exciting time for the Lost Words podcast because not only is it major championship season, but it's also new ad read season. Now, Manscaped have been a tremendous sponsor for the podcast, providing great equipment to our hosts and an awesome discount for our listeners. Summer is here, the sun is shining, shirts are off, and your balls are smooth. You heard that right, your friends at Manscaped are here to make sure that your beach balls are as smooth as Floridian sand. Now in the summer you want to kill some cold beers and barbecues, not kill the vibe of your pubes peeking out of your swim trunks. That's why Manscaped has their performance package 4.0 to keep the party in your pants looking crisp and refreshing all summer long. So dive headfirst into the summer by joining the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for hot guy summer by going to manscaped.com and using code LFW20 for 20% off and free shipping. Now the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0 has everything you need to prepare for that summer board. Inside this package you'll find the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxes Briefs and a Travel Bag to hold all your goodies. Get 20% off and free shipping by going to manscaped.com and using that code LFW20. That is 20% off with the code LFW20 and free shipping at manscaped.com. This is the summer to turn your package into the full package with Manscaped. You, you mentioned Chase Hannah and Ashen Wu to me as well. I'm, well, I'm Richard Ramsey. Yeah, I've got off Ashen Wu. Everything he's done is based along the path. But he's, he's, yeah. He seems all over the place at the moment, doesn't he? Um, however, you know... Um, He's a winner, isn't he? He's he a is. multiple. If he gets in the hunt, uh, you know he's going to have a chance. Uh, yeah, well, again, it's a chance. I mean, I, I'm looking at this and thinking, you know, should I just spread it all on smaller bets, win only on Betfair or something, and, and you know, we can take 20 of the bloody blokes and, uh, you know, <laughs> have smaller bets on, because there's, so there's so many there. You know, Shabanka Sharma, for example, I know he's a bigger price. I know we're going all over the shop, but I think this is what the sort of tournament is. Yeah, it is. You know, uh, last year went 70-66, third round 74-70. I know we've been in for, we've been with him a few times and he's let us down to be honest with you, um, but he's still young enough and uh, again it's uh, this is not a good tournament. Um, I think the likes of J- Joust Luton worth me- you know mentioning. Um, 
Hurley Long, he's playing well. Ewan Ferguson, who seems to have gone backwards since the win. Any of them can turn up. Uh, but my favourite bet of the week... Sorry, you're going back to Chase Hanna, aren't we? Did yeah. you say Chase Hanna? Yeah, yeah. Right, Chase Hanna, sorry. Um, obviously, he's playing well. His last, his last two tournaments, he's been placed and he's been, he's been looking very, very good. He's 17th in putting. We're talking about Ashen Wu. He's 17th in putting through the year. Um, the thing that I sort of liked about Hanna is he caught the eye last year when he's... You know, he did have chances to win and couldn't do it. He did. But he went in runs when he hit form. So last year he went tied six, tied seven, tied second. Then after a break, he went tied six, tied six, tied six, tied eight, tied 24, tied 12. And now he's got two decent efforts. I'm hoping that he runs it up with another one because that seems to be his MO. Yeah. Uh, whether that makes any sense whatsoever, whether that's just fluke, I've got no idea. But rather like Fox, you know, um, he's playing well. Um, and and he did he did catch the eye quite a lot last year. I can't remember the tournament where, you know, he really was looking extremely. Impressive. It was one of those ones at Celtic Manor, wasn't it? They were back to back, I think, on Celtic Manor. Maybe. Yeah, it was. I think it was. I think yeah. And I don't mind the runner up at Qatar, but that's the type of bloke he is. You know, six missed cuts, then he goes second at Qatar. Then he goes two missed cuts, then he goes six and four. So I'm hoping he keeps that run going because when he does finish his tournaments, he gets placed an awful lot of times it does so yeah it pays off it wasn't the Celtic Manor it was Kazoo Open and Hero Open Kazoo, so. that was it Kazoo. Yeah. that's right, that's right. Um, so I thought Chase Hander was worth you know half pence at uh, whatever the best price you can get him um, and I really like Richie Ramsey this week as well um, playing well again now whether you can have a correlation with Broberg I don't know given that he's you know so in and out and keeps getting injured sadly mm. um but Broberg's got some old form as well as his win. He's got, oh, his two wins. He's got the tied ninth at Lynx, tied tenth at Crans, and in France at the Golf National, he's got a uh, top 12 twice and a tight 16. Richard Ramsey's won at Crans, has obviously got a form at the Lynx that we know. I think he's got a second, a fourth, and many others. Yep. And he was fifth twice in France as well. And, they, uh, and he does like, I don't know if we're going to call this Lynx, but he does like Lynxy type. I don't know what we call it, sort of Scottish hydro type yeah. courses. Um, and he has been showing, I think, a little bit more um, recently. You know, the Belfry, obviously, was always prominent. You know, he was never outside the top four. Um, played really, really well. Obviously, again, had chances to win, but... One bad, one bad shot, wasn't it, at, at the Belfry? And you could argue that's mental. You could argue that it was just one bad shot. Depends He's not been potential for 100 years, is he? Do you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Um you know, so yeah, yeah, it was one bad shot. In Belgium, he came from 67th in the first round to finish 15th. Um, uh, last year, he had a run between the Irish Open and the Kazoo Classic that we spoke about just now, yeah. where he, he, he sort of was went uh, 4th, 15th, 25th, 28th and 9th. So when he's in form, we know, you know he goes on Twitter and he's got lots of other interests and lots of other business interests and Scottish golf interests. But when he's in form, he does sort of go on a little bit of a run whether he wants to play week by week or whether the, the break will have done him good. I, to be honest with you, I've got absolutely no idea. Um, but the figures are there. His driving actually is very, very good. Um, his greens in reg is excellent recently. I, I thought that he was worth, um, given that loose... Well, it's a, it's a big correlation with Broberg's form, but it's it's a, a very poor player to have to want to, uh, <laughs> to, worry about. to compare him with. Yeah. But, you know, Broberg liked it here. And Richie Ramsey got very similar form, so you know what the hell. I've and, and just playing really well. And uh, interesting enough, he's one of the players that's got a really wide spread of odds on uh, 
on odds checker, isn't he? He's either 70 with 3, 6, 5, 90 in a couple of books you don't ever yeah. use, 40 on Paddy Power, 60, 33. Like, you know, no one can really make up his mind. I think I think that the sense I get from Richie Ramsey, having chatted to him for a little while, and this is not yeah. what he's said, more what I'm inferring, but it feels like to me like he's going to make a real push, last push at kind of winning one more time. Um, and then he might let his other interests take over and family life, and that's fine. You know, he's, he's won a couple of times already, um, nothing left to prove, and, and maybe just wants to get that last win. But when you then get that win, how you react from that, it might kick on, and, you know, you never know, do you? But it feels like he's playing well enough to win, um, and he's certainly good enough to win in this quality. So, um, I, yeah, I like Richie Ramsey a lot. He was Him and Chase Hanna are those, those ones you've selected so far. Uh, certainly stood out to me. I, I like Hanna as well. Um Sorry, Tom. That interview with Ramsey—that was—that was, that was uh, the Ryder Cup one, wasn't it? Where he, he felt. Was that the what was mm. No, anyway, no, never mind. no, I can't remember now. But okay. it was—you know—he he, was—he was really good. He was—he was really insightful, really thoughtful. You could see I was sort of looking at him, you know while he was talking, and you could see he was really giving thought to what he was saying. It wasn't just really off the cuff, like this is what I should be saying, and very formal. It was—he's asking me this question. I need to think about it, and. Uh, you know, like I sort of mentioned to him a couple of times, like the amount of top tens he got. And he said, you know, I actually feel better about myself. Now you remind me of all these top tens I had. And interesting enough, that might just spur you on. I'm not saying that that has spurred him on. But, you know, it's just interesting how they view their careers versus how someone else does. Um, so I thought that was interesting. So go back and listen to Richie Ramsey interview before you bet on this week after Jason's recommendation. Um, Sean Crocker. We mentioned him at Sadao Open. Uh, because he had one good round of his driving and one good round of his irons. And uh, I said, you know, once he's starting to show that kind of thing in his play, you know, he's coming back to form. And uh, lo and behold, he finished inside the top seven. So I'm glad he didn't win because uh, I didn't actually put him up in the end. Now, this has to be prefixed with the fact that he's actually currently at the US Open qualifier and he's seven under par for his first day. So he's going to be right in the hunt for a US Open spot uh, and might not get back here until Wednesday which depends on how you look at it. He's either playing really, really well and you're really buoyed by the fact that he's in form and doing that, or you're worried that he's going to be really fatigued when he gets here. But he was 7th in tees green, 8th in approach at the Sadao Open. Uh, he's played okay in the KLM in the past. He was uh, 36th at the KLM in 2019, but he was 15th after 54 holes. And, you know, he's a much better player now. His irons and driver are back than he's back. We know what the problem is with him. He's the same problem with everybody that we've spoken about. I think it's factored into his price, whereas it hasn't been for, you know, half the people that are half the price. So, um, yeah, if, if he's in good form and he gets back in decent time and plays the event, I think Sean Crocker's worth a look at 110, 120 to 1 or whatever it is that you can get. Um, 80 to 1 is kind of more available with the extra places, but I'd almost take the 100 to 1, 6 places and just hope that he kind of kicks on from his last performance if he's going to play. Um so that's the massive prefix for there. Any thoughts on Sean Crocker? No, I think it's not a bad pick at all at three figures. Hmm. Uh, we, we were with him a few times last year. Did let us down. Uh, a bit of scar tissue maybe, but... Um, perhaps. I mean, he's obviously not, not been right for most of the year, but if that's a sign. Yeah. And as you say, he's doing well at the um, he's doing well at the qualifier. Yeah. Um, yeah, do you know what I mean? It's uh, I can't see how he's going to how he's going to tee up. No, I'll be amazed. But uh, that to me, then, if he's either going, if he does tee up, I don't think the only thing that Sky did mention, which is a valid point, is that he probably can't afford to miss it if he can realistically get back here because he's struggling so much for points this year because he's missed so many yeah. cuts. So 
he might have to come back and play tired, which isn't necessarily a great thing. Uh, I'll try and get a read off of him later on in the week and see maybe uh, what it is. But I'm, I'm putting him in based on what I like about him now um, and just kind of monitor closely what he does. But the other one I really like is Paul Waring at 200 to 1. And he was, I've kind of wanted to play Paul Waring a, a reasonable amount of times this year and never got to him because his figures just look terrible. And for the most part, they are. Um, but <laughs> he was 10th after 36 holes at the British Masters, then shot an 80 on the Saturday and didn't really recover, finished 63rd. Then a week later at Sedale Open, he finished 37th, but he was 10th after round one and 8th after round three. He shot 67 on the Thursday and a 66 on the Saturday. Um, we know he's added distance to his game. That's no secret. Can get hot with his irons. Uh, obviously needs a better passing week to put the four rounds together, but he's got an 11th for 12th and a 16th in previous KLMs, obviously at different courses, but like the location form on that. And... When he was at the ISPS Hander, he was 8th after round 1 and 12th after round 2. Then they got delayed and he had to come and finish his round. And he basically shot 79 and missed the cut, the third round cut. So actually, that missed cut is a little bit more pleasing than, than originally. Like Normally, if we see someone finish like 57th or something, we'll have a look on tour tips, hover over the numbers and see you know, what one round went wrong or whatever. But when it's a missed cut, I don't always do that unless I'm on OWGR and see they've missed by one shot or whatever. Um, so I was really pleased when sort of Sky pointed out to me that that was how he missed that cut um, at the ISPS Hander as well. So actually there's, there's basically three events there where he's played really well for two rounds and played poorly for two others. And doesn't need a lot to change, I don't think, at 200 to 1 for him to kind of find the four rounds. We know where he had that kind of little renaissance where he won the uh, Scandinavian Masters. I've kind of tried to make a loose connection oh. to... Um, you know, Holland and and uh, Sweden. And I did actually Google earlier whether you can class Holland as a Nordic country, and you can't, and people get very angry about it, so don't do that. Um, but he beat Thomas Aiken in the playoff that week, shot 66-63 to kind of put himself in the driver's seat. And, yeah, I just thought 2018-2019 he was, you know, really, really good. And it's been a little while since he was, like consistent but he just keeps flashing up and i think he was 12th at qatar earlier in the year he's now had those ones that i just mentioned where he's had two decent rounds he was 13th at the end of the year in dubai i think he's good enough to flash a couple of weeks and you just got to kind of figure out if he can put it together for four rounds and at 200 to one i'll take a chance you know what that's that's not bad i mean mm. i don't like wearing but um, i don't i think it's, it, do you know it, what it's not bad because if if those stuff with Broberg and Ramsey is correct. He's Nordea and you know, links. He's there. He's got the links. Mm. He's got Malay. He's got Portugal. He's got the Trophy of San. Sorry, Portugal. That's the Martin, that one. Yeah. yeah. Um, he's got the Trophy of San. You know, he's got, he's got um, French Open. So yeah. if there is anything in that, and you might, you know, it, it's there, so you might as well use it. Yep. Um, that's fine. I mean, you know, we'll have a look. You can have a look at top 30s, top 40s as well. Yeah. Really, at that sort of price, can't you? So it's going to be double figures for a top 40. I mean, well, I'm thinking would be. Um, yeah, why not? Yeah, that 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 is basically what I'm thinking is he can, he can do it for he can do it for two rounds, and if he can do it for three and get himself inside the top seven or eight, then uh, yeah, I, th- I think there's there's what, what is he for top forties? Obviously not really double figures, is it? But uh, top, no, no, top sorry, 20 no, would have been. Yeah. Um, nine to four for top forty, top twenty. What would he be for a top twenty? Let's have a look. Because I think that's probably, you know, maybe more realistic for someone of of his form at the moment. 
See, I wouldn't want to take. I think you're going to end up. I, I haven't looked, but I think you're going to say something like seventy-two, and I'd, I'd rather be on the forty. Yeah. So I think you only have to make the cut. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's not really much value in taking the six to one he is in the top twenty. Oh right. Okay. And that's come in a bit, so obviously someone else has had the same thought. But I think I think yeah. you, I think there's enough value in there that he can sneak it. I think he's the type of person that it wouldn't surprise me if Paul Waring is just seen in the top six or seven. By the end of the week, and you just go, all right. Well, it's an easy golf course, and Paul Waring's all right for one event a year. So, um, I thought Paul Waring was interesting at two hundred to one. Any others for you, mate? Uh, like to see how Jackson Bra goes this week. Yeah, um, had his problems. Uh, I, I, you know, it's just yeah, basically. It's just I don't just, like it. That's, I don't like it. It's been the DP World Tour, isn't it? But um, yeah, it has been. Yeah, has been. I, I think it's so inconsistent now. Um, so I think a group of people. I mean, you look at someone like Guido. I mean, you know what's happened. Yeah. You know, I'm sure Sky. I haven't listened to Sky thing. I'll listen to that tomorrow. But I'm sure he's put him up. Has he, he hasn't actually. Oh, he has. Which is a bad, bad sign for him. That's I think it's about three weeks in a row he hasn't bothered. Very bad um, sign. You know, and it's it's just wrong. You know, you got Laporta who should be you know contesting and things like this. You know, and they're they're all just doing nothing. Jazz Janetta won. You know, I mean, they played well in well last year as well, didn't he? Jenna Watson on. Yeah. They? Yeah. David Horsey should suit here. I just think that people, like you see like Renato Paratore, that every week I look at him, he's like 300 to one. And he's like, he's like, he's a better golfer than that, but he's, he's obviously not at the moment. But I just think they can't get this run of form going because they just don't know where they're playing week to week. And it, it, it must be horrible. I, I can't imagine. I mean, they, they don't seem to moan, but I reckon behind closed doors, they're probably all booting off about the, the DP World Tour and probably can't wait to jump ship. Um, you know, you've put up you've put up Perry's a, a number of times as as, as Brad this year, yeah. and uh, he shouldn't be he shouldn't even be here. No, nah. no. Nah. To be honest, but that's what we're dealing with now. You yeah. know, um, you know, I don't know. I mean, Matt, you know, I suppose blind you could put Matty Schmidt up. He's he was one to follow for the year. Yeah. Um, in fact, so was Mitto. Um, so that was a real uh, well. I say it's gutter they didn't win, but it, you know, it, it wasn't. It wasn't. Um, <laughs> You know, somebody like him has, has got far too much talent um, to be at sixty to one. That sort of price around here, it's it's, it's it, I, I'm not you know I'm not bothered, mate. It's um, I'll have a play because that's what you do. But there's no there's no real. Well, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty happy with the people that we've that we started picking out at the top. You know, the the the, the Fox and the Hoyguards and the Mansell and and the Armitage and the Paul and the Hannah. I, yeah, yeah, when yeah. you start doing them, they're they're pretty solid, right? And there's a lot of reasoning behind them. Once you get into this kind of triple digit range, um, you're looking for anything you can because that's just what kind of tournament it is. So um, happy to move on if you are. Yeah, yeah, I might not even watch it. <laughs> Charles Schwab Challenge at uh, Colonial Country Club. Uh, don't know how many of these are definitely going to stay in the tournament, but they're all here still so far. Uh, Scotty Scheffler at 11 to 1, Justin Thomas 12 to 1, Jordan Spieth 14 to 1, Colin Morikawa 16 to 1. Victor Hovland and Will Zalatoris twenty to one. Any interest in any of them? Fascinating to see how JT comes out of the win. Hmm. Um, you know, uh, have I got any interest in them? Not a punt in them. No, not. I think Scott Sheffer opened up at less than nine, didn't he? In America. He did. Yeah, I think he was eight to one when I was sure. looking at it. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what he is at the moment. Um, they're all very good, aren't they? I'm just, I'm just looking. It, I, would, I don't want to be on Colin. I don't want to be on Morikawa. I don't. I wouldn't want to be on Morikawa. No. 
don't know how Thomas is going to react after that win. Again, why would he play? Obviously, commitments and everything, but why would you play? Uh, Spieth was a bit... I don't know, it should have been Spieth weather. And he, he went back... He was really disappointing. It is Jordan, isn't it? At the end of the day, he's, you know, he's a... He can do what he likes. It doesn't matter, does it? No. Um, don't fancy Hovland. Will Zalatoris is Will Zalatoris. You know, he's just awesome. at some point, he's, just, he's just fantastic until so he gets the flat stick. And I know but, he plays but that, better, but so the fact it, that, that yeah, routine's there suggests there's a problem. The, the problem I've got, and with Zalatoris, I haven't got a problem with Zalatoris, but the, the problem for Zalatoris is that all his, I think, two of his four best or three of his five best or something like that best putting performances have come in these major championships so he's got five um top eights in whatever it is mountain star tweeted out yesterday like eight major starts and he's top 10 in five of them or something like that you know it's, it's really impressive what he's done but those are the weeks where he's putting his best that he's, he's putting his absolute best those weeks in the major championship he's still not missed one inside of three feet this season and he's still not one. And and if I, when I listen I listen back to this time last year, and uh, and I was saying about how you can't back Scotty Scheffler at shorter than Patrick Reed because right, yeah. Patrick Reed's won nine times, and you know yeah. it doesn't age very well. But Zalasaurus is now he's now had five top eight finishes in his first eight major starts, including two seconds. But the best he ever puts is at these major championships, and you think. Every, every week you say, oh, if just Zalatoris can have a good putting week, he'll win. And that's always the opinion. It's always the opinion about those types of players. And that's evidently not true because he's doing it in the major championships. And I know major championships have come with different pressure, but he's obviously putting well enough those weeks to win and doesn't. So there maybe is a bit... I mean, his ball striking deserted him yesterday. So it's um, interesting to see, I think. We're just talking about Thomas, how he's going to react. 2017... So he won back-to-back at the start of the year, didn't he? Tournament championships in Hawaii. Yeah. He won the PGA Championship. Two weeks later, he finishes sixth at the Northern Trust. Wins the following week at Dell Tech. Second at the Tour Championship two weeks later. Two starts later, wins the CJ Cup. Oh, he's... He, so... But he's, he's that's, that's for the week break. That's, yeah, it? that's two weeks in between all of those. So it's whether he can get himself up and going again. I, I Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's really tough. I mean, you look at it, and he's finished 10th and 40th on the golf course. So, what was it? I think he was second going into that final round at that Charles Schwab. I think that's when they came out of the um, pandemic, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, he was second there. Which was our first, which was our first um, uh, event preview. First ever event. So, two years to the date, um, or two years to the tournament. I don't know if the date's quite lined up. But uh, two years to the tournament since we were doing his preview. So, you can tell while we're, while we're lethargic coming to this point. But... Um, <laughs> It's funny, it's funny, right? I think I think that Jordan Spieth's form here is absolutely ridiculous. He's obviously got a win, three seconds, yeah. three more top eights in however many starts. You know, two times he's not finished inside the top eight. I can't go to count up. Um, so you would think that a fourteen to one is actually pretty decent value. I don't want to be on him after the disappointment of last week, which may be a bit of an overreaction, but I'm just not going to do it. I actually think Victor Hovland's quite interesting at 20 to 1. Um, I think there's people are going off him slightly because he hasn't done it in the two majors already this year. And, you know, I didn't necessarily think he could. Both of them were around the green examinations, and that doesn't suit Victor Hovland, where he's coming back to a PJ Tour event that probably will suit. He shot uh, 68, 68, 66 the last three rounds here 
2020 after opening with a 70 and putting himself uh, basically 80th on the leaderboard. So he bounced back really well. Uh, for 2021 was quite interesting. But I'm not going to go with any of them, and I don't think you are either. No, not. Max Homer was tempting me, but he is now, I said to you earlier, I think he's now where he belongs in the betting, so I don't necessarily feel the necessity to back him anymore. I do think he he merits a selection still. I think even at 28 to 1, I think the you know the price is still pretty good. He's top five in the field in terms of current form. I think he had a is he like 27th or something like here in the past. Like he's, he's had a decent performance um, in Texas in the past as well. Yeah, 27th he finished, and uh, you know he's a he's a much better player since that performance. I think that was 2019. So just just the right price now. I don't, I don't really care. So <clears throat> I come into 40 to one before I start looking at selections. Uh, yeah. Let me just check what he is at the moment. Um, just start and use yourself. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I go past that. I'll come into my first selection. Jason Kokrak for me. Yeah, just say it. Um, Jason Kokrak, I think is, is decent value at 40 to one. The defender champion, obviously that comes with, um, certain amount of pressures, but he finished third here the year before as well. He was 18th way back when at this golf course as well. So three times he's played really, really well at this golf course. Last seven times he's played in Texas. Seventh, third, 42nd, first, first, exit of the match play, 17th for the Byron Nelson. Just likes Texas. And he just elevates his game. Obviously likes the greens uh, in Texas. Obviously feels comfortable in Texas. Looks like the type of person that would probably be comfortable in Texas. Uh, not as comfortable as he'll be in Saudi Arabia in a couple of months' time, but um, you know he—I <laughs> think he's playing a bit better than you know people give it credit for. He's 14th at the Masters, 35th at the Heritage, 17th at the Byron Nelson, an event that you know the, the low score in nature doesn't necessarily suit. Last time we sort of saw him in contention at the in Texas, he shot 66-65 at the Houston Open and won it when no one else sort of wanted to step forward. Won this, like I said, last year as well. So, yeah, I think there's everything to like about Jason Kokrak at sort of 40 to 1. Yeah, it turns it on here. I, I, I agree with you. Um, and, and you look back at, at various winners and his form there at Houston, Valspar, the Byron Nelson, which we, we brought up before when we were speaking, connects to a plenty of form here. The Greenbrier is form that links into my next selection as well. Yeah. Um, I agree. Absolutely agree with you. I think he's got he's got the absolute perfect game for here. Doesn't matter whether you're a fan of his or not. I, I do think that given the weakness at the top or the doubts of the people at the top, I think yeah, absolutely. Um, this is this is bang up his street. And forty one's fair. Yeah, I think I think he's good value if nothing else. Um, you mentioned Abraham answered to us in, in messages earlier. Have you kind of gone oh, off of yeah, that? I, no, I haven't. No, my quality. No, no I, I, I really do like Ensa. Mm. Um, I know as soon as I tweeted how far was he going to win the Charles Schwab, <laughs> he would go backwards at, um, at Southern Hills. Um, but he didn't play. He didn't. Play, you know, at the end of it, he was four under after three rounds, mm. and the final round just, uh, you know, it did go his way. There was a couple of iron shots that were well short of where they should be, but I'm not bothered because I did. I really didn't think that was his type of track anyway. Um, so I really wasn't bothered about that. Um, I love his. Um, sort of comparative form if you look back at some of his best efforts and I know he was hard to win with until he actually did the job Yeah. Um, if you look back at some of his um, uh, I mean he caught the eye because he, did, he was 14th at, um, obviously here the last couple of years Yeah. Um, and he's also he's got Travis the Valspar form as well but um, if we look a bit 
deeper into it. 2019 Northern Trust. Pat Reed won. He's been seventh round here. Adam Scott has won round here. He was fifth. Jordan Spieth, you've discussed, he was sixth. Porter's got a uh, third, fifth, and eighth round here. He was tenth. Coke Crack, we've already discussed, got first, third, and eighteenth. He was twelfth. And tied next to him was Andrew Putnam. Bit of an outlier. Can putt like a dream when he's right. He's been third and twentieth round here. Yeah. Um, so I thought that that correlated really well. Um, and then again in the Heritage 2020. You've got uh, Webb Simpson wins. There's got a couple of top fires around here. Answer second. Berger was tied third. Obviously won here a couple of years ago. Uh, Neiman, who I really wanted to be on this week around here and isn't playing. He was fifth. JT was sixth. I mean, JT's JT's top grade anyway. Um, and Neiman also obviously won the Greenbrier as well, which links in with Kevin Narr um, and uh, Jason Kokrak, who was third behind Narr. And also Sebastian Munoz, who we'll come on to in a minute who was also third at the Greenbrier. Um, behind him, you've got Garcia. Bryson DeChambeau was third in Porter again. So I, I think Ants' form correlates really, really well with this sort, sort of track. Um, don't mind the 2.14s. You tend to need, I think, uh, two or three runs anyway around here to be able to compete at the end. Played well enough for three rounds over the weekend, and his back nine was fine. I know he didn't get any birdies coming home, but he steadied the ship a little bit um, to finish the top ten. Yeah. I, I thought this this screamed Abraham Abraham answer to challenge. Um so yeah, I'll be I'll be happy to put him up. I think there was I think last week was a welcome return to form, wasn't it? Because I think that he was he had gone off the boil after you know, I thought he was gonna really yeah. kick on after that WGC. He didn't. Uh he's the person and I don't know if this is to blame or what, but he's he's got a lot of vested interest outside of golf. You know, he's got He's having tequila companies, partnered with Mark Wahlberg. He just he seems to have one eye on the future already, which is good. I think coming from humble beginnings, that, that helps. I think he's a person that was focused on the Saudi stuff, um, potentially. So another possible distraction. And that all just can eat away at being successful on the golf course. I don't think he's necessarily... No, he's not hurt that much. I think he's had a couple of niggling injuries, hasn't he? So... Um, but I think he's okay now. I think eventually it'll return to form. So I just thought he was a little bit, when I compare him to kind of like Co-Crack, who I really like, and the couple of others I'm going to come up with, I did think he was slightly on the shorter side, but that's probably baked into his course form. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, it doesn't help that he finished top 10 last week. No. Um, but but equally, I, you know, he wasn't ever really, I, I, like I say, I don't think he expected, I mean, I say he, of course you, you expect to do as, as well as you do. Yeah. Um, but once he got away from the final round, I think he was just sort of getting home then. And like I say, I, I love the correlative form that he's got. Um, this should be right up his street. Um, yeah, it'll do for me. Um, I agree with you probably, but equally, I'm not sure what price I could make him. No, and, and, a lot of, and if a you, lot of rubbish here, to be fair. And if you like him, then it's just ridiculous to just overlook, do you know what I mean, for the sake of the price. Um, I basically live in this area now. So first of all comes Justin Rose, old favourite of mine in terms of betting. Tied 13th last week. He was top 10 in approach. Still playing well in spurts. And he's been first, third and 20th uh, here out of his last four starts. Does that, you know, is that too long ago to really matter? Probably. But I just liked what I saw last week. I thought it was pretty impressive and can still get it done, I think, at least one more time. Um, very short on Justin Rose because I think he kind of speaks for himself. If you like him, you like him. If you don't, you don't. Davis Riley. Um, 
is the price coming in too much at 50 to 1? Maybe, but eight places is great when he's fifth, ninth, and 13th his last three. Uh, he's already lost in the playoff this season to Sam Burns. We've just mentioned the Valspar, uh, or you've mentioned the Valspar, and that was the point I was going to use, was that Kokrak finished second at the Valspar, one here. Berger 11th at the Valspar, one here. Nar second at the Valspar, one here. Rose three top eights at the Valspar, one here. Um, kind of makes sense that they would correlate. Similar sort of test, I think. Um, he's one in San Antonio and obviously lives in Texas as well. So I thought Davis Riley 50 to 1. I was quite impressed with him at the PGA Championship last week. And then Tom Hoagie at 60 to 1. He's back to back top 17 finishes. Ninth last week. He was second in approaches. Um, everyone was kind of raving about his iron play. He was 20th and 28th in tees green overall last two as well, which, bearing in mind, he's not the biggest of hitters. He's, you know, pretty impressive. Uh, he was 17th back in 2016. I think he's a much better player now. Um, 42nd in 2018 when he was 6th after 36 holes. And I think he could just, you know, if he finds himself in a familiar situation this time, uh, much better equipped to kick on from there. Has missed his last two cuts here since he told me it was a course that he liked, which is uh, interesting, but I'm willing to ignore that. And then the last one, Jason, before I let you speak again, um, Gary Woodland. I, I thought we might be someone that come to your mind. Yeah, because he ninth from fourteenth <laughs> here the last two years. He was second after fifty four holes in that twenty twenty renewal. Fourteenth last year, he just got off to a bad start. Well, he shot seventy, which is not a terrible start. But you know, he had a chance to place yesterday and, and didn't. Uh, and I think that's kind of Gary Woodland at the moment, right? He doesn't seem to be able to uh, complete the four rounds. But he's got an eighth at the Valero in recent weeks. 21st at the Valspar. We keep going back to Valspar somewhere that he's actually won before. That's where his first tournament win came from. So I actually thought the 50 to 1. I kind of thought it was he'd play well in Florida and he's, he's going to tail off, but he's still doing it. He's still playing some good golf. Um, I don't trust him. The like, not even a little bit do I trust him to uh, to keep it going. But and the ball striking wasn't as good as you'd hope it to be. But I think that's probably baked into a bad final round for Gary Woodland. So. That 50 to 60 to 1 range, I think, is somewhere worth peppering, and then I'll let you come on to Munoz as well. Yeah, Munoz and, and Kevin Knopf, you've mentioned yeah. a couple of times. Um, quickly cover Knopf first, bit obvious. You've mentioned where he plays well, and it correlates perfectly well here. But obviously, like you say, uh, the previous winner here, Jason Kokrek's got form behind him. Valspar form, you've already mentioned. Um, his approach is around every, his whole game is built on his iron play around here. Yeah. Um, you know, and and he has lost it a little bit, but he's he's now been showing it again. Uh, his approaches round here is ranked fourth, first, second, ninth. Tita Green is ranked seventh uh, and second twice. Um, last time out when he was thirty second, uh, everything was great except he lost four and a half shots out on the off the tee, <laughs> which is clearly going to put you on the back foot. Yeah. But he putted well. His irons were great around the green. He was good. Um, so uh, you know, for me, for me, Nar. I think this is a, a special event, as you've, you've said, with Kokrak, with um, yeah. with John Spieth, you know, the same players that Grio turns up from time to time. You know, you need three or four runs at it. Um, Nars played here 150 times. <laughs> fine. And I thought, although he hasn't been, you know, catching the eyes, had five cuts in a row, top 25 at the PJ Championship, I, I, I wouldn't have thought that suited him at all. Um, but that was steady enough. Um, you know, it, it, that's the second consecutive top 25 um, 
in, in majors. I was 14th at the Masters after 79, yeah. third round. I know he's got his bits and I know he's got his, his, his sort of family and everything like that, but that was a sign. He returns to a course that he actually likes. Um, you're a big fan of Nar, and I thought you'd put him up this week. Do you know what? He, he just came, and sorry to interrupt, mate, uh, he just came in that kind of same bracket as, as Kokrak, and I just had a slightly bigger opinion on Kokrak, which is weird because I, I am very much an advocate of Kevin Nar. Like you say, I always seem to back him when no one else really wants to. Always, I always seem to think he's overpriced when everyone else thinks he's appropriately priced, and generally speaking, the, the majority of people are right, and I'm wrong, but... You know, like you say, he's got the win. He's got four other top tens here in the last 15 years, especially he might have even gone one before that, the amount of times he's played it. But uh, even like 32nd last year, he shot second round 65 and a fourth round 68 as well. Just started slow. So, yeah, I, I don't know because I, I, I'm pretty confident. <laughs> I don't know why I'm saying this. I'm pretty confident the winner's going to come in this 40, 60 to 1 range. I th- I'm, there's yep. so many people I like in this range. Um, We've got one more, one more yeah. in this range. Tom um, is Sebastian Munoz. Yeah. Um, again, you know, if, if we're right, he's got that tied third uh, at the Greenbrier behind Xander. He's obviously done it here. Xander was third uh, in Burgers 2020 win round here. Um, obviously, Munoz has got the tied third here anyway. Last year, he's got a third in the Byron Nelson. I mean, they're the three events that I'm looking at, and he gets top three in in all of them. Yeah. Um, He's Tita Green. He's been uh, plus figures for Tita Green his last eight. Include top 20s at Genesis and Phoenix. Seventh in approaches. Um, 28th in approach last week. Last year he was eighth off the tee, which actually, I, I'm not that huge off the tee here, but um, obviously Coke Rack led, I think, off the tee and won. Um, and then if you go back to Berger's year, um, of the top 10, there was first, second, fifth and eighth ranked off the tee. So it'll help. I don't, think he's, I don't think he's vital. No. It'll certainly help. Um, but he was eighth off the tee, and he had minus figures approach, minus figures tee to green. He was first in putting. Um, so I'm quite interested to see, because I think he's playing really, really well at the moment. Again, the PGA, you can look at it how you like, like we've discussed it earlier. Do you come off of it thinking they've played well in fourth, like, um, or played well uh, in second, like Wolves Alatoris, mm-hmm. um, and, and sort of have a come down? Or, you know, is 55th okay? You know, it doesn't matter. What was he expecting, to be honest with you? Yeah. Uh, you know, so, you know, he's gone into the final round inside inside the top half of those that made it, and he's finished 55th. It's fine. Um, come back out. Of course, he obviously likes playing well. I'm not the biggest fan, but, um, yeah, I thought I thought his price was fair. Yeah, he could have won the Byron Nelson, and perhaps should have won the Byron Nelson. He should have. Another one who struggled when he was in contention a little bit. Just, just a bit naivety, really. Yeah, wasn't it? Really, I think. Um, obviously, had miles more chances than than Mito Pereira, but uh, you know, just another one of those those sort of naive, naive efforts that might bring him on. And of course, he's a University of Texas graduate anyway, so um, you know, he can uh, he can have a bit of local knowledge as well. Yeah, so. and you know what he's going to do as well, don't you? You know, he's going to be the first round leader. Um, so if you're going to back him to win, you Potentially, might yeah. you might as well do that. Because uh, just looking in his career, he's had 13 first-round leads. And he's opened with 60, 60, 63, 64, 64, 64, 64. Loads of 64s, a 61, 64, 65. When it's a birdie fest, when it's in Texas, probably, uh, as you mentioned, college there, 
just led the Byron Nelson shooting a 60. Um, that probably just plays into that. It's not quite that kind of birdie fest, I suppose, but we have had 20 under win with Justin Rose and 15 under a couple of weeks ago, a couple of years ago with Berger. Um, I think he can shoot eight under on the first day and lead. It's tree lined, but it's not. It's not it's Valderrama. No. No. It's definitely not that. So, I think I think first round leader you're going to bet Munoz as well. And I, I still think. You know, if Neiman turns up, we should back him. Yeah, if he, if he has a late entry after not playing. A um, couple of names I think is worth mentioning, you know, without actually um, having any support for them. I think Kevin Kisner has a, a very good record here. Two out of the three missed cuts he's had over the last three, he's missed on the number. Can he just kind of channel something in Texas? 100 to 1, eight places I thought was fair. Troy Merritt shows up on the location form for Texas, a lot on tour tips, very solid uh, in this state. Um, so that was one to kind of look at, but neither of them did enough for me to to warrant um, sort of backing. I'm interested to see how Ricky Fowler gets on and Bryson, by all accounts, in terms of whether he actually plays or not. Um, and then just the best top 40 of the week is Vincent Whaley because he loves playing in Texas. Um, I've, I've tweeted out the kind of form that he's shown when he's played in Texas. I will read it out as well now as I load it up. Um, because I can't remember off the top of my head. He's played four times in Texas in 2021. He was 34th at the Valero, 26th at the Byron Nelson, 20th here and 15th in Houston. He's played in Texas twice this year, 29th at the Valero, 25th at the Byron Nelson. So Vincent Whaley likes playing in Texas. Can't win. Um, don't bother backing him at the 300 to 1. Back up at the 1,000 to 1 if he's that on Betfair. But uh, top 40, Vincent Whaley. Anything else for you, mate? Nate Lashley. Mate Lashley. Yes, you did Mate write Lashley. that down. Yeah, who can win? He can. Has yeah, Mate Lashley can win. He's, uh, over the last three months, he's tied second in par four performance, yeah. which is huge around here, uh, behind the one and only JT. And we go back over the last few years, which I won't do, but it's there for you. <laughs> um, you know, 2021, top six in round four, finished first, second, uh, sorry, the top six um, in par four performances. Uh, finished first, second, tied third, 14th, 20th, 2020 was first, third, seventh, tenth, 19th, 20th. Anyway, it goes on and on and on. Basically, par five, par four performance is just huge. Par five doesn't matter. Um, it's irrelevant. Uh, this year, playing really, really well, to be honest. He is. When he finishes the tournament. Seventh in Puerto Rico, which was a bit of a low-grade tournament. Fifteenth in Corrales, which has been upgraded over the last couple of years. Top 20 in Texas, 11th in Mexico, 17th in the Byron Nelson, which I like, and was his last tournament. Uh, he is short off the tee. Um, but he's been very good um, at the Byron Nelson. He was 27th in approaches, 19th in green, and in Texas he was fourth in approaches and sixth in tee to green. Uh, off the tee, because of his accuracy, he's actually in the top 40 of the year. Uh, when he won the Rocket Mortgage, he's one and only uh, win, I believe, at this level. Yeah. Uh, he beat uh, Rory Sabatini, the mighty Rory Sabatini. <laughs> Into third. Now, Clabertine's got some fantastic form around here. He got a good old mention on the podcast last year, 17. He did. He did. He did. I like Rory. Um, you know, tied third in Phoenix in 2020 is, is up there. It's class tied third at Greenbrier in 2019. Works for me. Top 20 Houston. 2018's great. You've got answer eight. Uh, Henley up there. Jordan was tied third. Griot was tied third. Tied third. I like him. I, I, I you know, I'm not expecting him to win by 10. Um, but I think. I think he's there. I mean, I think when he makes the cut, and he has done this year, um, it's top 20 stuff. So, 
you know, I'll have a tiny bit on him at some ludicrous price, probably on Betfair, uh, and I will be on the top twenties. Yeah, I think um, I think this is this is uh, a sneaky one at the price, to be honest. I think he's playing a lot better than people uh, give him credit for. It's just he's just an unfashionable golfer, isn't he? Nate Lashley, one out of nowhere, doesn't have yep. any standout statistics in terms of ball striking or anything like that. So no one really pays him any attention unless he's a uh, you know second or third and seventh, twenty seventh, fifteenth, eighteenth, eleventh, seventeenth. Certainly not bad. So uh, yeah, I think there's a lot to like about Nate Lashley, and we know that. If he does get into the hunt, he can win. That's a you know really important factor. You know he's beat Doc Redman that couldn't win. He's beat Sabatini that you know struggled to win, although has done. Joaquin Neiman was in that golf tournament. It wasn't just a bunch of scrubs. You know it was it was a decent grade. I think didn't he have a good chance at Phoenix as well one year? He finished third behind yep, Webb Simpson and Fina, tied with Justin Thomas. Not bad company, is it? So um, yeah, I, I like Nate Lashley a lot. I think he's a unfashionable golfer that probably should be suited more to these tests because you know he hasn't got that distance off the tee and he has to take advantage of when he can just kind of knock it around and do that so good pick there i like that um grillo is another person i got a lot of mention on our podcast mm. last year wasn't he and he's actually showing a few signs now grillo when he's playing well is a hard person to bet so grillo not in fantastic form is probably not someone you want to bet but just looking at the Mexico Open where he finished 33rd he shot second round 65 final round 69 and then at the Byron Nelson second round 64 fourth round 67 now those are both not tough golf courses and maybe allow you to score those scores even when you're not playing your best golf but that's a relatively decent return to form for someone that's been playing as bad as he has and he's got 24th third 19th and 8th here so maybe Emiliano Grillo could be another top 20 candidate because he's 150 201 outright so yeah. you might yeah. get a decent price top 20 so they would be in those similar price ranges for uh, for those two any others that you wanted to mention anyone that you think no no i mean i don't think grace and six playing but i would have i would have liked to, to speak no you, you do you do do those things where you pick the likes of sig and neiman when they're you should be a, you should be an agent because they need someone to tell them to turn up to the right golf courses don't they It'd be interesting to see Neil. I really did fancy Neiman this week, um, but there we, there we are. And great, yeah, as I say, Grayson Six the next one off the off the rank to do something proper, but uh, he's not playing, so who cares? No, that's it. Can't talk any more about him if he's not here, can we? Um, yeah, I think any any other people, I would just be naming names. I'm really sweet on that kind of 50 to 60 to one range. I think that's a very strong range to uh, play in. And uh, I haven't decided what I'm doing with Gary Woodland yet because Gary Woodland equals pain. Um, so that's about it that's about all I've got so unless you want to say anything else mate I'm going to recap my selections no but thank you for the congratulations of winning the Waggle Duff um, League league this week so uh, uh, you won the Waggle Duff League well done Jason that is, no, I didn't uh... win the league I won, I won the <laughs> weekly thing and uh, but that was that was obvious because it was third last week and I was trending towards a win so. that's it you must be straight going final round in the Waggle Duff competition so that's- I like that. Good work. There's there's someone that says here, BJ's129, I don't know what his actual name is, uh, was robbed in brackets. So what happened to yeah. him? Uh, he had, uh, what's it called? Did he have Mito, did he? He had Mito, yeah. Well, not robbed, did it? Not as robbed Not as robbed as um, whatever his name is, who had 500 quid on uh, Mito. And, of course, in America, they don't have Betfair, do they? No. So, uh, so he got uh, screwed. 
yeah, there's uh, you know, these things happen, don't they? This uh, it's golf, but also just on talking of us leading things, I'm currently leading the tip and win competition as well. Uh, oh, yeah, I am number number one. Showed so, you anything happened to anybody? <laughs> if if we're having success, you know things are going well. So, um, Dutch Open picks: Rasmus Hoygaard. I've gone. He's now twenty-five to one. I'm still happy to play at that. Richard Mansell forty to one. Yannick Paul sixty to one. Sean Crocker at hundred to one, and Paul Waring at two hundred to one for me for Dutch Open. Uh, Jason, your selections, please. Yeah, crap week. Hate it, but. Uh... <laughs> Uh, I'm thinking about Ryan Fox. I'll probably err on the side of caution, not bother. So it'd be uh, Marcus Armitage, Chase Hanna, and Richie Ramsey. Yeah, I like that. I like that selection a lot. Um, Charles Schwab Challenge, Jason Kokrak at 40 to 1. Really like his chances. I think the value is very, very good. Uh, the trio of Justin Rose, Davis Riley, and do I want to do it? Gary Woodland at 50 to 1, and Tom Hoagie at 60s. Um, and then those just plethora of guys that I've kind of mentioned, 100 to 1, I might look at um, on the on the exchange. But no other selections uh, definitively there. Jason, your picks? Uh, A-Bance, uh, Jason Copeback, Kevin Nahr, Sebastian Nidoff, and Nate Lashley. I think they all kind of fit the similar sort of moulds there, don't they? The, the answers, the Nars, the Kokraks. Mm. Uh, we've got a definitive player and it's a definitive golf course where you need that. So... Um, Jace, let's go and get another winner, mate. That's uh, we're up to nine uh, in 2022 for the podcast, which is uh, a pretty decent tally, I think. Uh, pretty happy with that. So, got plenty of the year left to go now. We, we just come up to halfway through the year, so let's try and get another nine. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? 18 outright winners for 2022. Give it a go. It's not going to happen, is it? But you know, that's a yeah, yeah. A, why not? That's a nice aim, why isn't not? it? 18 outright winners. That's the goal. Um, we're going for 18 outright winners on the Lost Words podcast for 2022. Jason, thank you very much as ever, mate. And uh, on to next week, which will hopefully be a better week on both tours. Mm-hmm.